The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. If you like snow, ain't it a great morning? Folks right along the immediate Gulf Coast and maybe up in the Delta a little bit may not know what we're talking about, but it is a snow day talking about gardening. Good morning, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You've tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer is the awesome Java Chapman, and we're going to have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening. It's a live program, folks. Even though it's snowing outside, somebody's stuck inside, somebody outside taking pictures. I totally get that. We're going to post some in just a second of one of my bottle trees with six inches the snow on it, but sit back and relax. We're going to do a little bit of news, uh, and then me and Java are going to come back with you and talk about what's going on or not in your own garden. It's snowy December morning. Again, the Stalk Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back and get, nah, we're not going to get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing, and I hope you got something to talk about today because I ain't got nothing to talk about. Didn't bring any notes or anything. Uh, Java, you could say that I'm... Fairly unprepared because I just got out and I went woohoo and went out and played in the snow. You, did you make a snowman yet? Did you build something yet? Well, I, I did build something. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Ellie uh, Banks, who's uh, who's does the web stuff for MPB, she's busy putting it up right now. I went out and built a fire. On the, you know, I got a fire pit in the yard, and I got some firewood. I got a roaring fire going with six inches of snow all around it. And uh, I even have a bottle tree. I don't know if it's up yet, but I uh, just sent it to her. But I also have bottle trees, 10 bottle trees, and they've got up to six inches of the snow stacked on top of the bottles. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah, it's nice outside. And it's it really the metro, the, you know, we're here in uh, Metro Jackson, and uh, it just caught us by surprise. Yeah, I was <laughs> expecting, you know, a little whatever. You know, I said it might snow. I'm thinking, yeah, sure. I get up at 3 in the morning, maybe get a couple of, you know, something on the top of one of my garden gnomes, but I got up this one. And the nice part about it is, thankfully, it's not dangerous. The roads aren't frozen. You know, yeah, skip- we're, we're hovering right above freezing. Yeah. So like you said, the roads aren't as, as icy as they could be. Yeah. Well, I went out, I built a big roaring fire, <clears throat> Got uh, took pot- pictures of my bottle tree, flamingos with snow stacked uh, four and a half inches on top of their beaks. But uh, anyway, uh, folks who don't have it, sorry, you're missing a really nice little uh, sort of a freebie, a snow without the, the car wrecks and stuff. So uh, anyway, um, we're going to be talking about gardening. So if you're inside and you want to talk about anything that's going on, I hope you brought your plants in last night. I managed to get mine in pretty much at the last minute. I didn't think it was going to freeze last night, so I really wasn't that concerned. But I'm thinking, you know, if it starts raining, they're going to be nasty, and I might as well go ahead. So I dragged them all in last night. Felder, what's the 
what's the, like the hard and or is it a hard and fast rule? Because they always say bring your plants and your pets in. You know, yeah. What's about like a hard and fast rule with the your plants? Well, uh, you know, to me, it's it's like dogs and cats. You know, if your dog chained up out in the yard, that's one thing. If you got a plant that's sitting on top of a of a of a chair out in the yard, it's up above the ground. It's more likely to freeze. So uh, I guess a hard rule. I would bring plants in if it's going to get to thirty five or below. Plants plants can easily take. Uh, even a light frost can, uh, you know, coleus won't take it. But if it's going to get below 40, you know, you ought to bring them in. If it's below 35, you hope you had them in. But uh, 40, 45 degrees doesn't hurt really plants at all, not that much anyway. Plants stop growing about 45 degrees, but they don't start getting damaged until their cells freeze and, and uh, when, they, when they thaw out, they rupture. a matter of fact, when I was in college, uh, uh, one of my roommates in graduate school was a linguistic student, and uh and I was talking about there's not a word for what happens when you leave a plant outside and it freezes and the next day it thaws and it starts oozing and dripping nasty green globs. There's no word for that. You know, well, my plant froze. That doesn't really explain when a cell in a plant turns to ice and it ruptures the cell wall and when it thaws, all the inners goos out and drips out on the ground. There's not a word for that. So he said, why don't you make one up? I said, how about booglify? He said, okay. And I've uh, written about that several times in the paper, but if you left some tender plants out last night, trust me, they booglified last night. Can we get that in, like, the official journal somewhere? Well, you know, pro- probably. It sounds that, very scientific. Yeah, and it's been in the newspaper, so you know it's real. <laughs> anyway, I hope your plants didn't booglify last night. Um a lot of stuff uh, that that people are getting ready for. My son went out to uh, pick your own uh, choose and cut Christmas tree farm yesterday. Got him a, his uh, a Christmas tree. A lot of folks are planning on doing that this weekend. It should be okay. It's going to get really cold tonight, though. So if you if your plants didn't boogle fly last night, they will tonight if you don't bring them in. Uh, and I'm talking about you know potted plants, hibiscus, and your weeping fig, and your bromeliads, and things like that. But things like coleus. Uh, the most I would do with coleus would be to go out and take some cuttings. Coleus roots really, really easily in water. So if you've got a pretty coleus or a collection of coleus, uh, things like that, go ahead and take some cuttings, bring them inside, root them, stick them in a nice sunny window in, in the vase of water, and you'll have some nice little plant starts uh, this time next year. But if you want to give us a call this morning, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring I don't know of any uh, gardening events coming up. Uh, this, you know, most, most people are having their garden clubs and plant groups are having their Christmas parties this month. Uh, so there's not any real events that I know of. But if you know of any kind of events that are garden-related, uh, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, By the way, a fellow from the radio reading service, you know Melvin down the hall? Yes, sir. He, you know, he comes up with some pretty cheesy stuff every now and then. He came up with a really good one. He said, this would be a good day outside to plant snow peas. But Yeah. Where's where's Kevin Farrell when you need him? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, Melvin, I I said that was cheesy enough to make the cut today. So anyway, if you want to give us a call, I know a lot of folks are, uh, uh, I've been getting calls about poinsettias. Uh, How do I care for them? Because people have gotten poinsettias before, and uh, within a few days, they start dropping their their green leaves. Those red things are not flowers on poinsettias, by the way. They're modified leaves. They're called bracts with a C-T-S on the end of it. Bracts. Um, the flower is a little small uh, canoe-shaped thing right down the middle of some little 
funny things sticking out of it, little bitty things. Um, anyway, poinsettias and other holiday plants, and even your regular indoor plants like hibiscus, um, weeping fig, things, when you bring them from outdoors or from a greenhouse where it's nice and bright and humid, and you put them indoors, um, it's not just the lower light and the cooler temperatures, but what really gets these plants is the low humidity. You know, our heaters and air conditioners suck all the humidity out of the air. And uh, misting plants only helps for a few minutes at a time. So uh, the the thing to do if you bring bringing plants in, and uh, my, my daughter-in-law, I'm giving her some, some uh, plants with uh, for her office. And I went to her office and... Uh, I didn't inspect it. I interviewed her office first to make sure it was okay to put plants in. want to make sure there's plenty of light. Uh, but most important, want to make sure her heater and air conditioner are not blowing directly on where these plants are because that really dries them out. Watering and misting really doesn't help. So the main thing is keep them away from drafts, especially heater and air conditioner, and uh, don't let the windows touch uh, directly touch any cold window panes. Other than that, it's just a matter of not letting them Stay too dry or too wet. Let's uh, stay in here in Jackson and go to Bell Haven. Hey, Teresa, good morning. Good morning, Felder. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Have you been outside yet? Uh, been looking outside all morning. In fact, you know, we have a lot of trees here in Bell Haven, and yeah. the tree caught on fire this morning. What? How? <laughs> well, it, it, I guess the snow got too heavy on some of the power lines, and they oh. touched and the tree. The tree ignited, so we had the wow. firemen here early. You know, usually we get ice, which breaks them, and it's not—it's really not any ice out there. It must have just been the load of the of the snow. Exactly, wow. and you know, my concern is, of course, we can't bring the, all the trees and big plants in. What's going to happen to them overnight when the, when the temperatures drop? Are you talking about uh, uh, tropical plants, potted plant type things? I'm talking about the con trees, the magnolia trees. Oh, no, no, no. Really the, heavy with the, snow. The, Are they no, going to be damaged? No, no, no. I'm, I'm from 100 miles north of here. The, the, it, if it gets down to zero degrees, seven degrees, we start getting damaged. But even down in the teens, it doesn't hurt these plants at all. Not at all. Oh, that's good to know. So, I mean, I wouldn't worry about that at all. I go out and take pictures. But no, uh, ice can break plants. Severe single-digit uh, freezes can damage plants. But this ain't squat. Okay, well, good. I, I was thinking back to that big ice storm of 1951 that our parents always talked about and how much damage there was. Uh, you, we and, used to walk on the bio up up in Indianola. We could walk on it. The ice was so thick. But, no, the, these these plants, they can take this no problem. Okay, good to hear. Thank you very much. You bet, Teresa. Thanks for calling. Stay warm. Okay, let's slide up to Starkville. Hey, Amy, good morning. Good morning. All right. What's up? Um, my question is, I got my mom two snowball plants yeah. for Christmas, uh-huh. and I'm transporting them to Louisiana. So yeah. um, I was just—I took the tags off of them so she won't know what they are <laughs> and wrap those up. Yeah. And so I'm going to want to know whether I should tell her just to put them on the back patio and when she should plant them. Oh, yeah. Well, so, uh, I'm from Mississippi State also, and i got to ask, cause I, are you taking them in the back of a pickup truck? No, I have them on the back seat of my car. Because okay. <laughs> if you pick, pick it, lay them down. No, they, it won't hurt them at all. Uh, I, would, I would keep them outside, though, because this, this is not cold weather to plants, not at all. And they'll do a whole lot better outside, kept watered then inside where they would warm up too much and lose their winter dormancy. So it's no problem. And I would plant them just as soon as uh, she can d- dig a nice wide hole. Okay. Well, after Christmas, because she's not going to know what they are. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, you know, uh, are you going to be there for Christmas with her later? 
No, I'm going actually going today. Okay, well, I, I was to say it'd be great if somebody could dig the hole for her ahead of time. Well, she can get somebody to dig the hole. Okay, well, t- tell her that they need to dig a, a hole that's, that's that feels too way too wide. Wide okay. is important, but uh, okay. they, leave them outside; they'll be fine. Okay, great. Thank you. So all right, much. appreciate it. Okay, and we're going all the way down to the Gulf Coast. Hey, Teresa, y'all getting any snow at all in Gulfport? Sleep this morning. Ooh, but, uh, don't like sleep. Don't like sleep, but the snow is nice and fluffy up here. What can I help you with? Uh, I have. Um, it's kind of like a hybrid between a pumpkin and a butternut squash. They're yeah. really kind of long looking things. Yeah, but they're on the ground, and I was wondering, uh, do I need to take? They're still green. Do I need to cut them and take them in? Is the freeze going to kill them? Or? If, if it freezes, I, I don't know if it's actually freezing on the Gulf Coast. And it's supposed to get really cold tonight. But, no, I wouldn't leave them outside for the freeze. Cut them with a, a little bit of stem left on them and uh, bring them on in. Oh, because okay. it's, supposed right. to get, it's supposed to get really cold tonight. It is. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, something about the frost on the pumpkin. Nope. Ain't happening. Now, we got a fellow named Dale who's on the road. Hey, Dale, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What's going on? Well, I, I have a question about uh, Norfolk Pines. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you buy those things out of Lowe's or wherever, and uh, they look great yeah. until you bring them home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, then they uh, – but what we do uh, – I live over in Texas, and uh, we leave the thing outside in a pot – yeah. And uh, about this time of the year, I'll start to move it back in. Well, mm-hmm. I'm out of town. I didn't get to do that. And um, I'm just wondering uh, what your opinion is on the best way to handle those plants. I mean, that it's about almost four feet tall now. Yeah. But uh, they grow real skinny. They start to drop some of the limbs. They yeah. look like the, you know, a Charlie Brown Christmas yeah, tree. Yeah, the, but... the Grinch. Yeah, put a single Christmas tree ball on it. And take yeah. a picture. Oh, uh, here's the deal with Norfolk Island Pines, Dale. I've seen, I have pictures of me hugging Norfolk Island Pines from Southern California to to Hawaii to the tropics, and they get huge. I mean, you can't put your arms around them, but right. they're they're full sun plants. And conifers don't do well indoors. Norfolk Island Pine, we found out, does better than others. Uh, it needs real bright light and it needs high humidity. When you bring them indoors, the needles that were formed outside. Uh, this past spring and summer and fall, can't readjust to indoor, so they will slowly turn brown. Uh, it might take a month and fall off while new growth comes on the ends of the branches. So, you right. know, there's really not much. The, the long-term prognosis for Norfolk Island pines, because they can't be pruned, they're not like, you know, other tropical plants, you can cut them back. Norfolk Island pines, sooner or later, are going to get so ratty or so big, you're going to have to simply, you know, I tell you what, buy me a ticket to Ecuador, and I'll go set it loose in the woods. <laughs> but uh, yeah. sooner, sooner or later, Norfolk Island pines always disappoint people unless you can sit it out in a frost-free part of the country. Right. But this this time of year, uh, do you think it, um, I mean, it'll survive in this kind of weather? Well, see, what, what part of Texas? Uh, this is south of Austin. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, they got some snow there, but I don't think it's going to freeze, you know. But a freeze will, uh, you know, a frost won't bother North Carolina Pine, but a freeze will. Okay. But, right. but lucky, they're cheap. Yes. It's not like a little kitten you got there, Dale. Just throw it out on the compost and move on. Right. Okay. Come on. Man up. You're from Texas. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> See ya. Bye. <laughs> 
Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I lived. I work in a garden center in Corpus Christi, Texas. Right now, Corpus Christi, Texas has more snow than Chicago and Boston and New York combined. That's weird. Anyway, you want to give me a call? It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. There's all sorts of things going on outside. Not much garden related. I've spent this past week and a half cleaning up and straightening up and planting and mulching and pulling and moving and uh, pruning and all those gardening things. Arr, I'd rather talk about it than do it. But now that it's done and I got it all set to bed for the winter time. We got this lovely little winter snow to make it all look worthwhile. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break and come back with your phone calls. Got some lines open. You want to give me a call toll free? one eight seven seven mpb ring We'll talk about it, folks. We're going to take a little break. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Me and Java Chapman here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back after this. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Okay, you know, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Java, what's your kids doing today, sir? They, they, we, they, they let school out today, didn't they? Yeah, everybody's at home right now. My wife is a school teacher, so she has the day off, even though she has to wrangle. I was going to say, yeah, two two kids at home, and school teachers never have a day off anyway. Yeah, so they're they're just enjoying themselves. I can't wait to get back to the house, and we're going to you know throw snowballs and stuff. Yeah, well, you better get it quick because that's real flaky stuff. It's uh, starting to fall. Off. I can't imagine. I I couldn't believe how deep the snow is. I got bottle trees. That uh that have got snow six inches tall on them. I'm not sure if Ellie Banks has got those pictures up yet or not. I'll I'll check during the, when we do the cheesy music in a minute. Meanwhile, give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go back down to the Gulf Coast. Morning, Jay. How are you, sir? Pretty good. Good. What's up? Um, I have a tree in my backyard. It's a beautiful tree that produces. We're not quite sure. It's either satsumas, kumquats, or tangerines. Okay. Um, well, wait, wait, wait. For, for, for what, uh, uh, satsumas and tangerines are different names for the same plant. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did it, not know that. Yeah. It's a, well, there's minor differences. There's a lot of different varieties. But kumquats, have, and both of them have a real thin skin, so I'd have a hard time. But kumquats typically are not going to be a whole lot bigger than, well, bigger than your thumb, but not a whole lot bigger. Well, it's a very beautiful tree, isn't it? produces year-round. The uh-huh. problem is every time I pull an orange or whatever it is off off the tree, it is sour as you make. They yeah. never seem to be ripe, and I've heard that if the tree freezes all the way down to the roots, it'll continue to produce, but forever, for the rest of the life of the tree, that fruit will be sour. Is that true? Well, no. No. Yes, no. Here's the deal. These things are grafted onto a onto a rootstock that's called hardy orange or hardy lemon, and it's not the it's not a really good fruit. The the rootstock is real sturdy. If the top part gets killed down to the graft, the graft part will sprout out, and you'll have the rootstock. It's usually thorny and has a lot of seeds and stuff in it. 
But if you've got, you know, if it's not too seedy, you've just got one. Here's the deal, Jay. A lot of times, if you'll leave these these fruits on as long as possible, they'll get sweeter as long as you can leave them on the tree. And then pull them and put them in the refrigerator for a week or so. They tend to sweeten up a little bit more with a little cool storage. You know, I, I get this question a good bit. Same with tangerines and satsumas. They're supposed to be extra sweet. But a lot of times they're sour unless you leave them on the tree as long as you can to get as much sugar as they can. And then uh, let them rest for a week or two off the tree. They tend to sweeten up a little bit. Okay. Uh, other, and, otherwise, um, just a little. Otherwise, just put more sugar in it, man. Okay. I mean, this this is very. I put sugar in oranges before yeah. that weren't ripe. Yeah. And this is extremely bitter. I don't even know if I could put enough sugar in it, but I'll wait till they fall off the tree, pretty much. Pick them up off the ground and try again. Yeah, and uh, again, um, let them rest for for a week or so in the refrigerator to see what happens. The other question I have is I have a first-year banana tree planted in my backyard, uh-huh. and I've heard that if you do not cut it to the ground level before a, before the first freeze, um, it'll grow back the next year, but it won't produce. Well, here, here's the deal. Bananas take uh, 18 or 20 months from when they sprout from the ground to where you can pick the bananas. Okay, and so if they freeze to the ground, they'll they start over again. But that's just it; they start over again. But if you can protect uh, two or three feet of the trunk, if you can cut them off, oh, about knee high, three feet high, and pile a bunch of leaves around them, they get just enough head start the next spring where they can make fruit. See, so it's. Okay, uh, so it- you just don't want them to start to be over at ground level. I can that, leave a little bit of it off. That's right. You know, a, a couple of three feet. You know, that gives them just enough head start. But if they freeze completely, basically they have to start over again. They start over. They, they reset. And if you can, if okay. you can just keep it in the sleep mode over the winter, they'll do okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All righty. Good luck, old man. Thanks for calling. Appreciate All righty. Uh, Java. Those things online yet? She got pictures. Yeah, they're posted on the uh, the MPB Instagram page uh-huh. for all my Instagram followers. That's um, MPB. Let me pull it up. Make sure it's right. Yeah, uh, MPB online at MPB online for Instagram. Also, um, they should be up on the website because I do see your fire pit that you <laughs> that you got. I told you. And your your bottle trees are covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was I, I took a picture of one of my green bottle trees with snow on it, but I do have a fire though. How about that? Yeah, you you living the life. Yeah. <laughs> did uh did uh you you were warned about me, weren't you? Uh, uh, fairly fairly <laughs> warned. <laughs> anyway, go to mpbonline.org, get stalk garden, and they should have pictures of my bottle tree with snow on it and also a fire in a garden completely covered with snow. Let's go up to Tupelo, see what's going on with Mark. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. I have a question. I have, I'm in Tupelo, mm-hmm. and I have a live oak that is probably three or four years old, maybe 15 feet tall. Yeah. And I'm just wondering about my odds or chances of keeping it living uh, indefinitely. Well, they're, they're pretty good. I was, uh, you know, I, you know, live oaks, if we have normal winters, you know, I mean, really gets down into the lower teens and stuff like that, live oaks start petering out around uh, Startville or the Delta. But, uh, you know, they grow up in Memphis even. So it really okay. depends on if it gets severely cold. One thing you might want to do, Mark, is uh, over the next uh, year or so, even maybe this winter, if you'll thin out some of the some of the limbs, because, you know, a lot of oaks tend to get real cluttered. If you thin out some of the limbs, 
so that there's just a few really good sturdy ones left and then thin a few branches off the limbs that are left. The okay. trees will look better, but you'll have less damage of ice storm because those things, even though they're real strong, uh, they're evergreen. And, you know, if we get a big, heavy ice load sometime in Tupelo, they can split. So just thin out some of the limbs okay. and then some of the branches. And don't leave any kind of stubs, and the tree will do a whole lot better. Right. I had uh, uh, maybe a year ago or so, it, it lost almost all of its leaves, but it put back out in the spring. Yeah, yeah. You know, they call live oaks because they're... Like magnolias, they're mostly evergreen, but those leaves that are on there through the wintertime, they shed the next year when the leaves come out. So any kind of stress could cause them to shed them a little bit early. I see. Okay, but but I got reasonable chances of, but don't wrap it or anything, but just no, no, reasonable no, no. chances of no. keeping it alive. Five degrees, eight degrees, you're going to okay. lose it, and you got other things on your mind besides your live oak if it gets down that cold. I've heard that. No, nothing I, to them. I, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for calling, man. Okay, let's go now to Port Gibson. Hey, Collie, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. Beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, it is. It is. Uh, although um, although I'm not sure in the Holy Land if it snows that much. No. Um, I'm calling about my Iliagnus, mm-hmm. which is about five years old and has been thriving in the spot it is. gets quite tall, and I have to keep nipping it back. But uh-huh. it's now got white spots all over its leaves. That's normal. It is normal. Yeah, yeah. They they don't have pretty leaves. Well, or are, are they are they big spots or just tiny little spots all no, over? No, they're white and they're oh maybe a, a sixteenth of an inch round yeah. and they're spotted around the leaves. And when I googled it, it looked like it was scale. Well, scale would not be on the top of the leaves. In, oh, it would uh, not? No, oh, it, it okay. wouldn't be. It's definitely just on the top. Yeah. When I said they're spotted, they have what I call a, sort of a stippled look, even even normally. But these are not the normal spots, right? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I tell you, if you could, uh, Kyle, if you could, could take a good, clear, close-up picture and send it to me. But okay. uh, I can tell you this. If you look at it from a few feet away, if it's the older leaves that have this on there, you know, not the the stuff towards the end of the branches. A lot of plants went through a real terrible time this past spring because it wouldn't stop raining, and diseases, mm-hmm. fung- fungal diseases, bacterial diseases, splashed around. So we have more leaf spots on things like oaks and uh, and other things this year than we normally would. Wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if that was elagnus too. But that would be the leaves that are formed back in the spring, not the ones towards the ends of the branches. And if that's what it is, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Okay. Well, it does appear that they all have them. All yeah. The yeah. Well, let, 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 uh, send me a picture because uh, there's not a whole lot of serious diseases on Ely Agnes and leaf okay. diseases, not one of them. So it may just be a temporary thing, but let me take a so look I at it. Leave it. Okay. I'll try to send you a picture. Yeah. The thing you need to worry about with, with Ely Agnes, if you have whole, you know, those long branches, if you start losing entire branches, just turning brown, that's uh-huh. pretty common from, from root problems. No, it looks pretty healthy other than the spots on the leaves. Hey, has it, has has it been uh, has it been blooming? No. Well, it's when it's uh, this time of year, you know, a nice warm day. Elang is one of the most fragrant plants in December, and they make little little uh, oblong fruits that are perfectly edible a little bit later. Uh huh. I don't think I've ever seen that on this bush. Well, there'll be little small clusters of small, very very fragrant flowers. Uh-huh. Anyway, send me a picture. We'll take it from there. Okay. Thank you very you much. Appreciate it. Okay. All righty, let's go now to Madison. Hey, Karen, good morning. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm fine, thank I'm, you. I'm great. I'm a, I'm a transplant from Chicago, and you are my best 
discovery in Mississippi. <laughs> Woohoo! You got you got you got some surprises ahead of you. Um, yes, and actually, that's half the reason I'm calling. I want to try to understand the seasons here. I've been told. Well, number one, we didn't blow out the sprinklers. They said, "Oh no, you don't have to do that." because that would have long been done up north. Yeah. And then um, I've heard some folks say, hey, spring starts in February. So I'm trying to understand, you know, when do I start watering the lawn again? And when do, you know, yeah. I do things for the plants and so forth? Okay. Well, in, in, first of all, anytime you have questions like that, you know, in the middle of the night or something like that, <laughs> anytime you're welcome to send me an email because, you know, the, the, you'll have lots and lots of questions. But in general, uh, we haven't had a, what I call a normal winter in a while, but typically we have our first frost, uh, the first part of November, which we're just now getting. Uh, and our last frost is typically going to be towards the end of March. And uh, the, by, by April uh, is when things really start to green up. We have flowers, camellias, uh, Right. The uh, even yeah, and and so we have some bulbs that won't bloom in Chicago, like paper white narcissus and jonquils. It'll bloom sometimes for for Christmas, but it's it's not unusual to have flowers in January or February here. But anyway, the last frost typically is going to be. Uh, Towards the end of March, occasionally first part of April, grass doesn't really start greening up until until April. Oh, we okay. we recommend not. This is by the way, I'm a retired university. The official recommendation is not to fertilize your grass until after it's been greened up and mowed a time or two, which is the middle of April at the earliest. You know, okay. now, now they can sell fertilizer before then because that's their job to sell stuff. Grass doesn't need to right, be fertilized right. till it greens up and been mowed. Doesn't need watering till it gets dry. And there's lots of people in Madison who never water the grass and it looks fine. So uh, okay. I'm just I'm just saying if you water more than once a week, that goes against all conventional wisdom. Oh, and only people who water more than yeah, the only people who water more than once a week are people who've been talked into this idea that. It shows off. So the grass needs a good soaking every. Your, your grass gonna need a good soaking. It needs a good soaking every two or three weeks. Once every week or two is fine. But more than that, no it's gonna cause. I, I'm not making okay. this up. I wrote. I wrote okay. the forward okay. to the book. So anyway, well, it's been a real adjustment just to the different types of grass. I will tell you that. But yeah, we um, don't. We don't have the the rye, the fescues, and the bent right. grass and stuff like that. A whole different uh, ball game. But anyway, you don't need to do anything at all to your lawn until after it's been greened up in motor time or two, um, and then you can start fertilizing and then water when it gets dry. Okay. Well, thank you. That's wonderful to know. May I ask you one other quick question? Sure. I just bought a fig tree, and I and I did get it at you know one of the local you know garden shops. Uh huh. It is dropping leaves. I just can't get over it. It doesn't seem to matter if I let it get dry or if I water or whatever I do. I'll wake up in the morning and come out, and there's half a dozen to eight leaves on, on yeah. the ground, and they look good. Yeah. Well, this is, this is it's going to sound like I'm making this up, but it's absolutely true. I planted a fig about a week and a half ago, and over the, the next several days, it dropped every leaf on it. Oh my gosh! No, that's normal. It's normal. The plants when you when you set stuff out right at first, it goes from being in a pot with holes in the bottom to a hole in the ground that holds water longer, and it takes a while well, for the new roots to get used to the new dirt. Well, this is actually in the house. Oh, it's a, it's potted in the house. Oh, oh, is it and like a weeping fig? Yes. Or a fig fig? Well, you don't know no, what a fig I, you don't know what a fig fig is, do you? I think a weeping fig, but it's <laughs> dropping like the. Dinner. Okay, okay. Here's the whole different bucket: weeping figs and hibiscus. 
plants like that, when you bring them in, those leaves cannot adjust to the new condition, low light, low humidity. What I do, I've got a big weeping fig. It's about 40 years old. Every time I bring it in, I cut it back to where it doesn't have a leaf left on it. And it immediately puts out strong new growth that's adapted to indoors. Other, and it saves me having to rake up a few leaves every day. So those are what I call greenhouse leaves, and they're going to all shed till the plant puts on Karen house leaves. Hello? Yes. Yep. So, so th- this is normal. If you cut it back okay. just a little bit, it'll put out all new growth and be just fine. Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Email anytime. I, I enjoyed uh, I've lectured several times at Chicago Botanic Garden up on the North Shore. Yes. That's, that it's a fun, fun oh. place. Anyway, it welcome. Well, thank you. You're my new best friend. Email anytime. Thank you. All right, Java. You're you so popular, Felder. Well, well, you know, people stuck inside. They're stuck inside. And uh, and I talk I talk Chicago, and she she doesn't know what a fig fig is because she ain't from around here. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do, do some cheesy music? Yeah, I hate we gotta let Joey and uh, Carmen continue to hold because we got to get to this cheesy music. Yes, <laughs> why why we can't? Because we don't have any opportunity to do this, folks. I'm horticulturist fellow Russia, me and Java Chapman having fun talking with you about gardening today. We're gonna take a quick break, come out with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi public broadcasting after this rarely appropriate tune. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman is a fairy tale they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. There must have been some magic in that old sicker hat they frowned. But when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Frosty the snowman was alive as he could be. And the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. Frosty the snowman knew the sun was a hot that day. So he said, let's run and we'll have some fun out before I melt away. Down to the village with a broomstick in his hand. Running here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can. He led them down the streets of town right to that traffic cop. And he only paused in a moment when he heard him a holler style. Frosty the snowman had to hurry on his way But he waved goodbye saying, don't you cry, I'll, I'll be back, back again, again someday Look at Frosty go Over the hills of snow Welcome back, folks. Horticulture's fellow rushing in this snowy December day. We got a fellow has been hanging on for 12 minutes. Joey, bless your heart, man, from Tremont. What's up, guy? How you doing? Glorious holidays to all y'all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. What you got uh, going on I, today? Sir? What you got going on? I've got three uh, pots of onion chives. Yeah? And they've done 
rolling down the ground some. I wonder if I, your recommendation would be to repot them or put them in the ground. Well, they, you know, they're hardy in the ground, even up in Canada. So uh, if you put them in the ground in a nice sunny spot, they'll, you know, they, you know how floppy they get in a pot? Yeah. They won't be so floppy in the ground. What I would do is I'd cut off the floppy stuff and cook them up and then put the rest of it out in the yard. Well, there's two minutes to cook, so I didn't <laughs> well, know what to do. Have some folks over, man. Fry you up and scramble you up some eggs and chop them over there and, and uh, just tell them it's green sprinkles. There you go. Anyway, no, they, they'll do fine outside. Wintertime will not. They, the thing they don't want, they don't want shade and they don't want too much water. So, All right, I got you. All righty, man. Good I'll luck. I'll stick them in the ground. Fish. I appreciate your information. You bet, Joey. Thank you, guy. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to Jasper County. Carmen, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? I am doing good. Get um, some snow? Yes, yes. And I called you to ask the question, are my camellias going to freeze again? No, camellias like this kind of weather. I've got, oh, I was raised. Okay. I was raised camellias. My great grandmother planted before my dad was born. My great grandmother planted these, and they've never skipped a year ever. And we're talking about up in the Delta, where it's gotten down to to seven, eight, ten degrees. They'll do fine. Okay. Now, you, well, I did hear you say on one of your programs that you had bought a camellia. Yep. And then the lady called in how to plant it, and you told her that they like it wide and. That's right. And uh, I went out this morning. I've got a little statue. Uh, I'm not Catholic, but I've got a uh, statue of the official patron saint of gardening, a guy named Fiocker. Uh He was a, a, a flower, herb, and, and a vegetable guy. I got a picture of St. Fiocker with snow on top of his head and on his beard with a snowy camellia hanging all around his ears. Oh. Well, look, you know, I've moved back to the home place, mm-hmm. and my dad was a camellia enthusiast. So, Felder, I have 21 camellias. Different kinds? Yes. Wow. And, um, some of them are really, really, you know, tall. Uh-huh. And I have pruned them to have the canopy. Yeah. Okay. I, two years ago is when I started on these, and they had been neglected, and they had a lot of disease and that type thing. Yeah. So, I. You know, the pruning is, you know, you prune the middle out, and then you take off all the crossovers right. and um, any diseased leaves. So I would go through every leaf and, <laughs> and get it off. They're looking better. Yeah. But last year, I pruned some of these back, hard pruning. Right. My flowers are smaller, and I did not fertilize, I hate to say. Is it because I didn't fertilize them? It might have also just because of the weather or something like that, Carmen. I mean, camellias don't have to be fertilized every year. But, you know, there's lots of camellias all over Jasper County. They ain't never been fertilized, and they look great. So a little fertilizer every two or three years is good. A little pruning every now and then. But hard pruning is going to sort of reset plants a little bit. It takes them a, sometimes a year or so to, to, to sort of get back in their form. Okay. Now, you know, he grafted some of these. Right. Some of these are smaller um, trees or bushes or whatever you call them. Right. But anyway, I need to move those. When is the good time to move them? How long? How old are they? <clears throat> oh gosh, Felder. Um, M- more than four or five years. 
Oh yeah. I, I would. I, I'll be honest with you, Carmen. And and you're talking to a guy who dug trees for a living at a tree nursery for a long time. I moved more plants the past week and a half than most people will their whole life. I would not move a, 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 any kind of shrub that's more than five or six, seven years old because their roots are going to be, if you stick your arms straight out, Carmen, wiggle your fingers, that's where the working roots are. You're going to move nothing but shoulder, but shoulders and kneecaps. And it's not a good idea to move an old plant because they don't have any kind of roots up close to the trunk. They're way on out there. Well, well, let me ask you this. They have grown too close together. Yep. So well, what would you do? Well, I would prune some low and, and roundy and moundy and some tall. And, you know, in other words, just alter their height so they can get together. But, you know, this is, you know, enthusiasts, whether they're camellias or daylilies or irises or whatever, tend to plant all their sweethearts real, real close together, uh, more than normal gardeners would. And I'm going to say normal because people who collect stuff, which includes me, uh, I've got eight different kinds of fall-blooming chrysanthemums in an area about three feet across. It's way too close. But anyway, it's not good for the plants, but once they get some, some age on them, really hard to move them. So I would just prune every other one small and every other one tall and see if they can't learn to get along. Okay, that's a great idea. All righty. The other thing is I bought some of that uh, soil acidifier. Yep. Should I have a soil test done before I add any of that to the soil? Nope. And for, okay. first, first of all, the stuff that we apply to soil, now, now this is a horticultural secret, but we sell a lot of stuff that plants really don't need because people feel like they got to do something. And it makes you feel better than anything else. So uh, the soil test, your your plants are what they are. they got roots all over the area, and it's really hard to affect the pH of the soil very much for very long. So I would just pour it all around the outspread of the branches and just enjoy them. And I wouldn't fuss okay. with you're You're fussing with them more than your dad did, okay? Okay. And let me, can I, do you have time for me to ask We're you? We're starting to run out of time, but you go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay. One of these plants is a really tall, I'm going to say probably way up there. Yep. Sasanqua. Right. And I pruned it to the canopy. Yeah. And I was going to ask you if I could severely prune it back and move that one. You can prune it back, but again, if a plant, I, I would not move a plant that's more than five or six, seven, eight years old. I wouldn't do it, and I know exactly how to do it and what I'm doing. I just wouldn't do it. It's not good for the plant. So I would just uh, I would just go with it, enjoy what you got. If you need a new one, plant a new one where you want it. That's what I would do. Anyway, appreciate your call, Carmen. Thank you so much. Let's go now to Mobile. Hey, David, good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. How, How are you this morning? So far, so good. Did y'all get any snow, or did you just get sleet and stuff? No, I've been out, and it's just uh, wet and, uh, you know, feeling, you know, finally like uh, winter. Oh, well, more for me. Right. <laughs> did uh, you enjoy your visit down to the Baptist Church plant sale uh, recently? I did. Uh had a real good, uh, no, wait, it wasn't the Baptist Church plant sale. It was the uh, Presbyterian Church plant swap. Oh, Shame on That's me. okay. It's okay. It's okay. And uh, <laughs> even though right at the end of it started raining, it was chucking it down. I got right. pictures of people grabbing and snatching plants in the pouring rain. It was great. Oh, good. Good. Uh, quickie question. I am uh, redoing uh, a large bed in front of uh, the house, stripping everything, and starting from the foundation going outward. And I want to put something a little different in. 
and I'm looking at uh, distillium copper tone. Um, I'm gonna have to look that one up. What is it? Uh, well, uh, it, it's an evergreen shrub. Uh, uh, Michael Durr over in. Uh, I know Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Really, just so knowledgeable and done some wonderful things. But it's a uh, uh, a fairly new uh, unknown, and I'm looking at uh, Clemson's uh, uh, Extension Service site now, and they are praising it. Okay, well, I know uh, the, I know the folks at Clemson really well, and and Michael Durr, I've known him forever, for forever. Uh, and whatever they say, without even looking at it, I would go with what they say because they've got. Uh, the only difference is uh, you've you've got a, almost a subtropical condition, so uh, I would make sure that it's not a plant that does better farther north. That we're sort of at the bottom end of it. Sometimes we have plants that people recommend that we're at the bottom of their range. Sometimes we're at the top of their range. So I tell you what, right. if there's any way, David, you could shoot me an email with the name of the of the plant, then I want to learn about it. You say it's a fairly okay. new plant. Now, it, uh, what about, uh, are you familiar with uh, Cryptomeria? Yes, I am. And I would, t- I would tell you, they do better with less humidity. They're plants uh, that do much better further north. You get, we get a lot of uh, leaf diseases. They're grown in Mobile area, but they get a lot of leaf diseases because of their humidity. Okay, and then the hydrangea, uh, the new, uh, what do they call them, uh, Endless Summer. I'm yeah, that'll, that'll do fine. That, uh, that'll, that'll they do were fine. developed in Minnesota. That, but that, uh, but it'll, they, it'll do fine. It'll do fine. Okay, and then uh, finally the hydrangea, uh, what is it, uh, paniculata, uh, they, the they, uh, little lime. And, they, they do fine. Okay, they do and fine. have you seen Bobo, the miniature? No, I haven't. I, I went to a uh, uh, the the the... The Britain's largest collection of hydrangeas this past summer uh, up in the Lake District, and I got more pictures of more hydrangeas, and after a while they all started looking alike to me. Right. Anyway, shoot, Dave, we, we get we got plenty of stuff to talk about, but you need to send me an email. Let's get started that way Good so I can, do, okay. I can do some head scratching that way. Appreciate the help. Thanks, Felder. You bet, David. Thank okay. you. Bye. All righty. I don't even know what distillion. I'm going to have to look that one up. You know, you live and learn, folks. Anyway, we've got a couple of callers on the line. We're going to take a real quick break and come back. If you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring By the way, Thomas Grillo, Thomas Grillo uh, is one of the world's leading thereminists. He plays an instrument called a theremin, only instrument on earth you play without touching it. And this is a recording of him doing our theme song, uh, doing a duet with himself, on the theremin. We're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, 
Hello, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Uh, this, I'm, I'm doing something new in my yard. I'm adding a new wattle fence. If you're not sure what wattle fence is, you see these uh, pictures where they have uh, sticks in the ground or, or uh, real close together, and they weave sticks in between of vines and sticks, a nice little tightly woven fence. That's called a wattle fence. And uh, I'm looking for some long crate myrtle branches. That's what crate murder, by the way, how it got started. They prune these plants back and these knobs so they have these long willowy things to weave their fences with. Great murderers, great murder is called pollarding. It's how you get the material for making wattle fences. I also dug up a whole bunch of bulbs this past week and <laughs> I piled them all together. And first thing I knew, I, they got them all. Anyway, I got a big bag of bulbs and I have no idea which is which and what color. So I'm having a plant. I'm going to have a bulb miasma before it's all over. Anyway, been out gardening and going to reap some of the, my benefits of just enjoying it for the next few days. Let's go down to Moss, Moss Point. Hey, Robbie, good morning, sir. Hey, Father, how you doing today? Fine. What's going on? Um, I got some plants that I planted over years, and they get up about oh, six to eight inches, maybe a foot or two, and then they kind of stun out. When, when do you fertilize these uh, what, what ca- this time of year? What kind of plants? Well, I got a crepe myrtle. I got a uh, apple tree, a uh, collie apple. I got uh, and, uh, a uh, red uh, and, uh, and Japanese mag- magnolia. Japanese magnolia. Yeah. I also have a Japanese uh, and, maple. And, and, and they get. Do you say six inches or six feet? No, six to eight inches or so. They just don't grow very, very fast. They, they don't look like they're taking a good root and get the nourishments or whatever. And I'm just wondering if I'm not fertilizing them enough. Well, uh, so, so, so these are, are rooted cuttings or little seedlings or what? These are little seedlings that yeah. I, I got. <clears throat> oh. What I would do is uh, fertilizer has to be absorbed by plants and translocated and all that. If you want to give them like a real quick boost in the arm, use a liquid fertilizer, something mixed with water. Uh, and, and it doesn't look like enough. When it says, you know, a, a little scoop to a gallon of water, that's the maximum that these people can legally get away with the recommended. So if you'll use no stronger than directions, a liquid fertilizer, that's like a boost in the arm. It goes, it cuts to, to the chase. It goes straight into the plants. Okay, and, uh, then after after that, put a triple eight on them over here. I, I, no, I, you know, I really, you know, triple eight, triple thirteen. Those are agriculture fertilizers. They've been used a long time because that's all people had. Whole lot better to get uh, a, 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 a fertilizer that's made for fruit trees or landscape plants that has a type of nitrogen that's long lasting, slow release. Triple eight, triple thirteen, ammonium nitrate is like a jolt. And then it's gone. So I wouldn't use that kind of stuff. I would use, for, for gardens, landscapes. I would use a gardener landscape fertilizer. A little bit more expensive, Robbie, but they they're slow, long lasting, gentle, steady feeders, rather than that real big jolt that the agriculture people need. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate it. You have oh, a good day. Appreciate it. Thank, and good luck on that. Appreciate your call. Let us know how it does. All right. We'll do it. Okay, folks, we're going to be taking a, a week-long break, coming up with more gardening here every Friday and rebroadcast on Saturdays. Uh, one of the things I enjoy doing a whole lot uh, is talking about gardening. The past couple of weeks, I actually did some gardening. And, job, i got to admit, it ain't that fun. <laughs> it's it's interesting. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and I like digging. I like to thinking about it. I like loosening the roots. I like mulching. I like pruning. I love all that kind of stuff. But I found out it's a whole lot better to do a little at a time than wait till the last minute to do it all at once. 
Anyway, the Gestalt Gardener, folks, it's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer, the laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Our phone greeter today is the lovely Michelle McAdoo. Uh, I'm your host, Felder Rushing, and I'm going to be thinking of all of you. I get out to wrap up a few eyes and ends, take some pictures of bottle trees and snow on them, and uh, try to stay, keep my toes warm, keep my spirits up. We're going to be back same time, same place, but if you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market or a garden center, show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week.